day at the organ I was weary and ill at ease And my fingers wandered idly Over the noisy keys I know not what I was playing Well, hello. Welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So in uh, this episode, I'll be finishing up this series on uh, some of the early novels of Henry James with my uh, final thoughts about Confidence, uh, which is uh, his fifth novel. It was published in 1879. Um, the the um, I think this is a pretty not very well-known novel. I, I think it's... it's it's obviously one I never heard of before picking up this volume, but you know it seems it's um, you know not something he's really known for, like the Europeans or the American or the Bostonians or Portrait of a Lady, those more famous uh, works. Um, you know, I've been looking at the chronology of James' life a little bit, and it seems some of these some of these things got like dramatic presentations that may have raised the prestige of them. Um, at the time, but anyway, so if we look at these ten years of James's James's life, uh, they're obviously pretty productive in terms of literary output. But he's, you know, it's really the decade when his fame um, certainly takes off. Um, you know, traveling a lot, spending a lot of time in in Europe, spending a lot of time getting to know various people, publishing in England and the United States. Um, he spent time in London, spent time in Florence and Paris during this. So, you know, he really is writing about something he knows, which is uh, these European or these American sojourners in Europe. I, I just don't find it the most compelling thing that he keeps, you know, story, uh, I guess. Um, you know, I'm kind of an expat myself. I don't know if I want to read about too many expats, the, their life and romances in, in Asia. That might get kind of dull, to, dull for me. Uh, and I, and to be honest, I, I'm not quite sure what he's getting at. I, I do understand how he's seen as kind of a break from uh, more sentimental literature of the, of the earlier 19th century to the realists and the naturalists uh, that we know so well. I spent a lot of time talking about naturalism earlier in this whole podcast series when I did uh, writers such as... Um, Frank Norris uh, and Jack London. I really like that stuff. And I can see that, that shift happening here. It's, uh, it doesn't quite pack the punch, I think, that something like uh, that the Frank Norris novels did. Uh, maybe, maybe it's because maybe it's I really like that, that kind of more social literature, literature really dealing with social problems. That's why I think that the peak naturalists really did that. Even Sinclair Lewis was really trying to get at the heart of social and political dilemmas, and, and he's got that more critical air. Uh, here, you don't quite have that so much. You have the broad contrast between America and Europe. I think the closest he gets to really having a hard-hitting critique is, as I think, the portrayal of the aristocrats in The American. Um, but elsewhere, uh, you know, these novels are mixed. I'll say that. Um, I'm sure he deserves his reputation, and as I read more Henry James, I think I'll become more aware of it. But for now, I'm going to 
uh, wrap up my thoughts and confidence and and put an end to this series. Um, also, going forward, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I I end up being stuck in China for longer than I had hoped, uh, thanks to COVID. I had hoped to go during the Chinese New Year back to back to Taiwan, and then I'd do some book swapping. I have some new stuff to deal with, but that seems not to be possible. Taiwan changed its quarantine to be two weeks in a hotel, no contact with anybody. And then I need to be, come back here for a one-month quarantine. It doesn't really, uh, it's not really worth it um, for, for a visit, unfortunately. So I won't have any Library of America volumes unless I buy them here. And they're, they're fairly expensive here. So um, I might uh, look at some other works i might just focus on lovecraft that, that that's probably the most likely thing is i'll just focus on the lovecraft series get that done and and you know that will finish up roughly in the next f- five six months i'll be able to finish the recordings on the whole lovecraft series and then i'll be able to um kind of start fresh when i'm settled back in taiwan over the summer so that might be uh, i might look at some history books um, i'm not sure uh, i've been reading a. uh Richard White's uh, history of the Gilded Age, and actually Henry James shows up in that in that book. He's, there's a nice little chapter about the liberals and the decline of the liberal uh, perspective in the in the later part of the 19th century in the Gilded Age and the rise of the socialists and the um, kind of the the social Darwin. He kind of argues social Darwinism is kind of the last gasp of of, of 19th century liberalism. Now that might be true. But but Henry James sort of fits into that that liberal tradition along with Howells and and people like that. So um, maybe there's there's more we could say in the future if we keep if the more I learn about this period, maybe there's a bit more I can say about the the social context of James's ideas. But anyways, I'm here to talk about confidence, at least uh, the final chapters of it. So um, what's really nice about confidence? Uh, kind of like the Europeans is we get uh, characters who who kind of are in the they kind of are mixed messages maybe in their conversations they're not quite where they need to be for things to to work out the way we would expect in a, in a much more sentimental silly novel and then James is able to kind of turn it on its head and and reorient things and we still end up with a comedy we still end up with a happy ending but it gets sort of turned on its head and and, and inverted where characters who we thought were going to end up together don't end up together right so um the first half of the novel really revolves around this main character uh bernard longville who's one of these american expats in europe uh he runs into a a a young woman that he's attracted to and he paints her but it's just a passing scene later on he gets invited by his friend to germany uh an american friend and he's like oh check out this girl for me and basically then bernard has to be this wingman for much of the first half of the novel where he's uh, basically checking if she's a coquette checking uh what he thinks of her you know kind of that that that's that sort of stuff and uh so he's able to build a relationship with this woman who turns out to be the same woman he painted in in siena in italy Uh, and it turns out later on he has feelings for her but uh, he's able to get to know her a little bit better, and he ends up like warning his friend a little bit that she might be after money, which isn't really a fair depiction. He's because he's kind of worried that she's a coquette, and the way he says it, he kind of he basically breaks up. He sabotages his relationship not because he's 
a jealous lover who wants to swoop in and take this girl away from him just because of, of sort of a misunderstanding, right? But that leads to his friend Gordon, his name is Leaving, going back to America. Uh, he hangs around a while, uh, getting to know this young woman, her name's Angela Vivian, a little bit. Um, but eventually he goes on a tour of the world, going to China. So that's sort of where we left off, right? So I think if you're, I haven't been doing a chapter by chapter summary here because they're all pretty short. Um, but if you, you know, it's chapter 17 is when he kind of returns from this, this tour of, of chapter 16 or 17 or so, somewhere around there. He, t- he comes back from this tour uh, of China and Excuse me. Uh, and he goes to New York. He goes to New York. It's um, a common theme, like characters returning to America after their expat experience. Something, of course, James would do, but he ends up staying uh, abroad, right? Becoming even a British subject at some point. But uh, but his characters, at least in these, these novels, tend to return to America to settle their affairs or to... Um, get a new perspective on things, right? To kind of clarify their American identity. Certainly that's true in the American itself where his own Americanness kind of emerges. We meet him in Europe where he has a kind of a dubious American identity, actually. Comes back to, to after his confrontation with aristocratic European culture, comes back to America, a full American through that, that experience. That's how, I, that's how I sort of read it. Um, but anyways, he comes, comes back to New York this guy Bernard comes back there and he finds Gordon and this uh, kind of ditzy girl Blanche get married. And they're really a happy couple. It's, it's nice. It's not a, it seems like Gordon found the right person. But again, the, this uh, Blanche is not who you think Gordon was going to be with. You think you're going to get a, maybe a love triangle uh, between Bernard, Gordon, and, and Angela. That's not what we get. We get that relationship with Angela breaks up and he marries this minor character who's interesting, but she's a minor character at the time named Blanche, but she's really a memorable character. She's one of the more memorable characters in the novel because of her personality, which is really dynamic. She's really talkative. She's a little bit ditzy maybe, but really charming and, and, and kind of fun. Um, but uh, there's still this question like, uh, you know, why they marry. There, there's always this a little bit of doubt among these characters about why women marry it's it's kind of unfortunate actually uh that's something i've seen a lot actually in in henry james's novels where women women's motivations for marriage are kind of being undercut uh and and you know is it they want to remarry is it they want money is it uh i mean that's a big one right it's it's there in roderick hudson quite a lot where the, the main character wants to marry for money uh or for status Right to kind of move into European aristocratic culture, and uh, the American, it's that uh, Naomi Niosh, who's basically a gold digger, who hangs around with wealthy people to to lift her status and wealth for her and her father. Um, and there is an overhang here. This book isn't as much about money, I think, as the others, but it's it you know certainly it's the case in the Europeans where money is the driving force. For, for the European characters in America. That seems what they're really after. Um, but, you know, anyways, he, he hangs out with them for a while, but he ends up leaving because of gossip about his relationship with, with Blanche. And finally, a few chapters later, he returns to Europe. And he meets Angela at 
a beach in uh, in Normandy, I guess. It's, 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 yeah, it's a beach in Normandy. He meets um, meets Angela, Vivian there. And during this meeting, he finds out he's in love with her. So he, he kind of has that realization that he loves her and that he always loved her. Right? It's like a big, big moment in the novel. This, this awareness that, like, I've been in love with you since the first time I saw you. It's an, it's an internal thing. He doesn't, like, confess it. But he realizes it. He realizes that he's, that this is the woman he's supposed to be with. So that kind of leads us to then the climax of the story. So then there's the whole issue of, of how does he get close with the mother to get the approval of the mother. Then there's the friends come back. So um, Blanche and Gordon come back. And then we get a back, little backstory about the relationship between Gordon and Angela, which was broken off really suddenly. But we didn't get the full story of it, right? We didn't get the full picture because we're mostly getting this from Bernard's point of view. So apparently what happened is he, Gordon tried to marry Angela she was kind of, eh, we'll see. Kind of kind of like in the American too. There's a kind of, oh, we'll see. We'll come, come back in six months. We'll, we'll talk about it again. So that's when uh, he asked Bernard to come and check on her. Remember, this This is the early first thing that happens in the novel, essentially. He goes, he, he asks his friend to go check on Angela to come over and visit, but basically to keep an eye on her and to give his report. And he does that, right? And he gives that somewhat questioning report he says you know there there might be other motives here but despite that gordon asks her to marry again so he was it wasn't the point is here it wasn't bernard who sabotaged the relationship so we get this uh misunderstanding in a way but it's revealed in in a in a way that's i guess beneficial for all the characters um that actually that actually it was vivian who broke up that engagement there's a little bit of, of drama over when Bernard reveals to Gordon that he's going to marry Angela. And then Bernard's a little bit mopey about this. And he starts saying like, oh, my wife's going to leave me, you know, for someone better. And he's kind of feeling uh, a bit put out that his friend kind of swooped in and took this girl that he was in love with uh, and wanted to marry but was rejected. Uh, but anyways, it works out. And at the end, uh, Bernard and Angela get married. Um Gordon and Angela reconcile. Uh, Gordon's taking Blanche on a trip across Europe. That's it. That's the story. It ends up uh, quite happy for all the characters. So, um, you know, I think this one actually interested me quite a lot more than than the Europeans, if I want to give my review of this. Um, I think it's a lot, there's a lot more happening, of course. I think the characters are a little bit more memorable, in this case, like, I think in the Europeans, you know, they're just sitting around talking. Like, the two sisters, I don't know. I didn't get too much out of their conversations. Uh, everything feels just more, a little bit more contrived in that. It's much smaller scale. The confidence has that really global scale, almost, where we're doing a lot more of the flipping back and forth between Europe and America. We have that tour of the world that... Bernard takes. We have, uh, I think, Bernard's a more interesting character than than even Felix in the. Who I think is the most interesting character in the Europeans, but I think Bernard is a little bit more interesting as a as an archetype of the of of the expat who's sort of wandering around Europe without too much of an aim. I like that. And I think the 
the way miscommunication is played with in this novel. In, in the Europeans, it's much more like cultural clash. It's like there's cultural misunderstandings based on class and status and, and the nature of uh, that woman's marriage, things like that. Here, it's, it's, it's a deeper kind of misunderstanding where people, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I know philosophers these days think a lot about language and how difficult it is to communicate and how language fails to convey meaning uh, as confidently as we would like. I, I kind of get that sense reading this too. It's like these people really do talk talk past each other and there's a lot of misunderstandings. Like Angela and Gordon's relationship was fraught with misunderstanding. Uh, Gordon and Bernard's uh, relationship have misunderstandings. Um, and then you have Blanche who talks constantly and endlessly and doesn't say that much. So there's kind of some interesting things you could play with, I think, with language and how language is used in this book. Maybe that's the deepest kind of philosophical approach. Plot-wise, though, it's basically a, a, a silly little comedy about about how this couple, these two couples get together uh, in the context of their adventures in Europe. So check it out if you want. I, I don't think it's urgent. Um, I still really strongly hold that the American is the most interesting and powerful of the novels in this this collection. But it's a good collection. It's worth it. This is one of those volumes of the Library of America where you're really getting your money's worth because for for like 25 bucks, whatever this costs new, you could probably get it for a buck or two used. There's a lot of used Library of America books floating around Amazon.com. I, I may just buy the... Next time in America, maybe just fill out the collection with the used book market if I can. Um, at least as much as much as possible. Um, but anyways, you get five books for well, about five bucks each, uh, five U.S. dollars each. So it's worth it, worth it. I think, even though I think the quality's mixed and it's, you know, they don't all pack the same kind of punch. But I, I do think there's some really great moments in it. So I'm. I'm not like disgusted with Henry James. I guess that's my overall feeling. I think uh, I'm eager, interested in going back and, and picking up the next volume. Maybe short stories. Maybe try short stories or some of his other uh, travel writings. Whatever else I might have. I think I have five or six or seven volumes of James in my library. This is the only one of those that I've even ba basically opened. So uh, a lot to unpack as I go forward. But I think this is a good place to start. Um, I think I got a better feel for his approach and his themes, and I'm interested in. Wow, I'm going to. I'm not going to jump in right away. It's going to be a while before I get back into some more Henry James. But um, I'm. I, I feel I've achieved something here. I feel I've kind of taken a step into uh, era of area of literature that I'm not that familiar with, and and kind of hesitated even jumping into. So yeah, I'll leave you with that. That's all. So coming up, I don't know. Um, Probably by the time this is uploaded, I still won't have got my hands on any other Library of America volumes. Um, I did see the local bookstore here has the H.L. Uh, Mencken uh, two-volume collection of his of some of his journalism writings, but I have that, so I'm not going to buy it again. And then I think there's Barbara Tuckman's uh, The Guns of August stuff, an American popular historian who wrote most famously about World War One, but other books too. Proud, Proud Tower, which is about the late 19th century, I guess. Early 20th century. Um, that might be that might be worth buying. I don't know if it's if it's to, should still be there. So I'll have to decide. Um, 
So, that's it. We'll, we'll see the future. Definitely, I'll be keeping on with the Lovecraft series. Um, as I'm recording this, I'm getting ready to jump into the volume three of the Selected Letters of Lovecraft. So, if you there's plenty on this channel to listen to. Uh, if you want to go back to listen to the Philip Dick stuff, the Lovecraft stuff, or any of the stuff I've done on the Library of America on my mainline series, it's all there for you to listen to. So, um, it might be a little bit of time before you hear from me again uh, doing Library of America volumes. But who knows? The future's unwritten. So that's going to be it for now. Leave your final comments uh, about Henry James or about this series to my email, 100pagescast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment below. And please do give a review on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated. So uh, that's going to be it for now. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time, whenever that may be. Like love overcoming the strife, it seemed the harmonious echo from our discordant life. It linked all perplexed.